Hi, I'm Tara Gold. You're joining me at home. At home refers to being at home within oneself, within the world, and at home with spirit. This podcast is raw and it's real. It's sometimes panel style, and it's always shared in a conversational style. Join me here for holistic lifestyle tips that really make a difference with scholars, medical professionals, scientists, cultural creatives, and artists that share through their lens. What all these conversations have in common is that we're all dedicated to empowering and inspiring each other to cultivate inner wisdom and also to share it. Welcome home. Well, I want to just first say hello to everybody who's joining in and thank you for joining in. Uh, I'm here with someone who's very dear to me for a long time now, uh, Larry Payne, who has been a mentor, an incredible friend. We like to call him Uncle Larry. And, um, And someone who just continues to inspire me all the time because uh, the passion projects you've done have have changed so many lives and touched so many people uh, in so many ways that I want to say some things about your bio before we even get to talk to each other. So shall I do that first? Oh, well, thank you. But I mean, um, I just, I feel that you're the next generation and you're going to do more than I did on everything. So there we go. Well, I can only hope because I don't know. You've done so much, Larry. And what's so cool for me is to see how much you've done even in the last 10 years. You know, so as you're as you're aging, you've actually become even more prolific from what I have heard um, from you and from other people, or at least consistently prolific in the things that you do. So you remind me how how um, when you come from your heart and you know you love something, you know, how it can the they can flow, you know, these, these things can keep flowing. That really is the start to do something that you really love. And I've always noticed you do that yourself. I do. It's true. I think it's the key. (laughs) But I do want to say some things from your bio too. Okay. Because I know not everyone knows you like I do. So, so Larry, an internationally respected yoga teacher, an author, founding father of yoga therapy in America. Yes. Um, you have co-founded the International Association of Yoga Therapists, now in 50 countries. You helped create the yoga curriculum at the UCLA School of Medicine. You're the founder of the Yoga Therapy RX and Prime of Life Yoga programs at Loyola Marymount University. The corporate yoga program was created at J. Paul Getty Museum by you. And the original back program at the world-famous Rancho La Puerta Fitness Spa was created by you. In 2000, you were the first yoga teacher to be invited to the World Economic Forum in Switzerland, and you founded Samata International Yoga and Samata International Yoga and Health Center in Los Angeles in 1980, uh, which is still thriving. Um, You're also the co-author of Yoga for Dummies, Yoga Basics, Yoga RX, The Business of Teaching Yoga, and the book that we got to put together, Yoga Therapy and Integrative Medicine, with Dr. Eden Goldman and me and um, it will be, that was a great one for us to share. Um, he, you were also featured in the Prime of Life Yoga and Yoga Therapy Rx series. And most recently, I love this project, you have been the author of AARP's Yoga After 50 for Dummies, which uh, I think is one of the most exciting projects of yet because you're really highlighting and getting out in a grand scale uh, that yoga is not just for the young 
twenties uh, or, you know, people can put their legs behind their heads like River, my son can do that, no problem. But as we get older, people need to be reminded um, that yoga can be accessible and that it can be completely appropriate for all ages of life, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and when you, you know, I, I appreciate you saying all this stuff. I'm a legend in my own mind. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> and in mine too. <laughs> um, but you know, what I love too, Larry, is that um, you've always stayed humble and that all these people that you met in India that influenced you, not just in India, but definitely in India, um, that influence you, you you always give credit to them. And you've been such a great reminder to me to always give credit to those that you learn from. And so that we keep the awareness of where things even come from. So that we, that, so that, you know, there's a lot of talk around um, social justice and colonialism and how to move forward with yoga in a way that honors traditions. And I think you've actually really shown me over the years how well to do that. And um, so I want to say that. Well, thank you. You've done it well. And I've noticed how you in your courses, you bring in all these great teachers and they go with you because they respect you. Thank you. I learned from you. I hope. <laughs> they do. And we have a lot of the same people in our courses. We do. So, and if anyone doesn't know, Larry Payne again is um, his course he's talking about is the Yoga Therapy RX and Prime of Life courses. And then mine, Yoga and the Healing Sciences program. And that we do, I did get that inspiration from you, how you, you draw from the people that are best at what they do and bring them together so that collectively, collaboratively, people can learn in a really integrative, powerful and profound uh, way that's backed by science too. It reminds me of a saying that no one of us is greater than all of us. <laughs> so true. And I keep, you know, and the more I hear about some of the greats that are great at certain things, sometimes they had other sides they weren't great with, you know, but then they, um, they did add so much. And then if we come together collectively and keep sharing and supporting those traditions, though, it is always greater. Yeah, always. Absolutely. Yeah. So can I ask you about some of your time in India? Like, um, I know you took a sabbatical, right? That changed the course of your life in your earlier years. And will you talk about it a bit? Well, I was really fortunate. You know, I was the West Coast manager of advertising sales for McCall's Magazine. And that's like, you know, that's kind of business. The more you do, the more they give you until, you know, you can't, you know, I had all these ticks and my back was bothering me and everything. And uh, so somebody dragged me to a yoga class. And at the end of the class, my back pain was gone. My ticks were gone. And it lasted for four and a half hours. So I never looked back. I went and found a yoga teacher in my neighborhood who was great. And uh, within a year, I somehow talked my employer into giving me a one-year sabbatical. So I had some money. I had a camera. I had a press pass, you know, from McCall's Magazine. And I just took off. And I interviewed and studied with people in 11 countries. But when I got to India, I knew that's where I wanted to be. And almost nobody turned me down. Uh, and um, so I got to study with these people when they were, you know, alive and flourishing and all the ones that we, you know, meant so much to us in America. So I got lucky. I really did. Um, and I, I, I'll always treasure that time. Yeah. And so can you name some of the people that most touched you on that path in the early days? Krishna Macharya. Yeah. <laughs> Big. Yeah, <laughs> uh, his son, uh, Indra Devi, A.G. Mohan, yeah. and uh, 
Deskachar, when I asked him to study privately with him, he asked me if I would uh, do a tribute to his father in America. So um, I said yes. So he told me how to approach his father, what to say, what to do. And his father gave me a 20-minute ceremony, Krishnamacharya, <laughs> to bless the journey, you know. So we had all these people come to the Manly P. Hall uh, uh, Philosophical Society in, in Los Angeles. And then afterwards, there was a party at, at my studio, at my home. And um, then I made it into a video, and now it's actually available on, on digital. So there are some people there that you'll never, ever see again, you know, other than on the video. And that was just a high moment in my life. But I went on to study with Deskachar for probably 25 years. He always inspired me. Fabulous. And um, and then you went back, about how many times would you say you went back and spent time there? Oh, four or five times. And then, but the thing is, I would follow Deskachar all over the world because right. that I had some money, you know, from my advertising and houses and things. And so... I went with him to, um, to Israel, uh, Colgate University, um, a lot of places that he would go. I would just jump. And then at the uh, European Yoga Federation, because I was assistant director of uh, the organization called uh, um, Rama started called Unity in Yoga. Mm -hmm. And so I got to be the representative and I went there. And I hung out with Sachi Dananda, Yogi Bhajan, you know, all those kind of people. Um, and uh, so, and he was there, of course. So there were just great moments in Europe, in Israel, um, in America. And uh, I, I just, I, I just very fortunate timing. Well, I think when I, I always had a sense that yoga should be hopefully geared for the person and the individual, right? But it was really, I think, through you that I really got that um, in a deeper way. Um, and I'm saying that with honor toward a lot of teachers that I had met before you. But I remember hearing from you just how much that was emphasized through Krishnamacharya, the importance or the distinction of different kinds of practices for different ages of life. Um, can you talk about that? Sure. Um... Krishnamacharya and his son Deskachar said that yoga should be taught for three stages of life. A building stage, they all have Sanskrit name, shikshana. So that's like what I call young and restless. You know, all the stuff that, you know, you do when you're young and what you can do and put your legs behind your head and all that. And then the middle stage called rakshana. And, um, and then a one-on-one -on -one stage when people need one-on-one. -on -one. Now, what happened is that the students of Krishnamacharya, when he first was the teacher to the, the, the king of Mysore, he taught these young boys. So that's where Iyengar and Batabi Joyce came. They were 16. So when they, as adults, came here to America, I think they really influenced greatly to emphasize that first stage, you know, Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's why right now, 80% of the yoga that you see has something that says flow in it, you know? Right. And uh, as a consequence, um, you know, 30,000 people went to emergency rooms that were boomers that went to the wrong class. Yeah. So, you know, it goes, you know, like 
to this flow yoga, and then it goes to chair yoga, and we start nothing in between. So when Krishnamacharya got his first ever middle-aged Western student, his name was Dr. Albert Franklin. He was the ambassador to India. Uh, he started to teach differently. And right after that, uh, doc, you know, um, uh, Dr. Franklin, and he, he blessed my studio. I came, I came out here and blessed my Samata studio. Um, and so uh, the name of the style he was teaching changed uh, to Vini Yoga. And there was an the original Vini Yoga were people from Europe, Belgium, and France. And then came the Vini Yoga America. So me and Richard Miller and Gary Kraftsau, Sonia Nelson, we were all Carter members of Vinny Yoga America. And, uh, you know, Vinny Yoga really means you, you treat the whole person, no matter what your age is. But for whatever reason, the stuff that stuck was more for the people in the, in the middle stage uh, because there was an emphasis on um, the breath. You know, there was an emphasis on function being more important than perfect uh, form that you move in and out of postures before you hold them. And this creates this uh, thing that a lot of physical therapists know about called proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation, PNF. So if you tighten the muscle before you stretch it, it'll go further. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple ways to do that. One is somebody stands behind you and just, you know, gives you an isometric. Yeah. The other is if you just move your leg up and down and, and to keep it from crashing, it has to tighten. So that is very uh, good on the joints and, you know, for people not getting injured and all those things. And the other thing that he did that, that was different, he said it was okay to have forgiving limbs. So when I first learned from Iyengar, I studied with him for weeks and privately, you know, hey, you lift your kneecaps, everything had to be perfect and form. Krishnamacharya for the Vini Yoga says, no, you can soften your arms and your legs because what's the most important thing in aspect and when you're aging is your spine. Mm. You, know, you walk in a room and people bend over, that's issue of their age. So if you allow your arms and your knees to be soft, if you need to, mm -hmm. then really affect your spine. Now, there are some people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, don't need to do that. And they're not usually men, <laughs> they're women. Um, and uh, so uh, this has gone a long ways. And I just saw a recent, the last, most recent, uh, a 2009 census, there's 110 million people <clears throat> just in the United States that are over 50. And for the yoga teachers out there who are in the young and restless category, <laughs> just tell you a little advice as a yoga teacher, one of the ways you make a living is private lessons. Yes, which group can afford private lessons? <laughs> Not yeah. Young and restless. <laughs> so these people need your help no matter what age you are, you know, as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then um, what are some other key points that Krishnamacharya used to emphasize for people over 50? I'm curious. Well, those, you know, those were the big one. I mean, his big focus was on the breath. The breath surrounds yeah. the movement. Um that the function is more important than the perfect form, you know, because the back is what keeps you from, you know, uh, uh, moving forward or, you know, it gets in the way of aging if you don't work it. 
So um, things and ways to reach the back, which means that the outer limbs that you know might be restrictive can be softened so you can get to the back. Mm -hmm. When somebody walks in a room, I just say it again. The first thing that you can tell about aging is they're bent over. Yeah. Posture. And, uh, I've helped so many health professionals with just a real simple thing in between their clients just to back up to a wall and raise one arm up and then mm -hmm. down and the other arm up and then and while they're breathing and inhale open and just do that twice, right, left, both. It's amazing. And I have had some real senior health professionals. Every time I go to see somebody uh, that's uh, like in their 60s, 70s, 50s, whatever, and I become friends with them, I always, I, I get them outside and I say, look, just do this. Give me like, you know, two minutes, you know, and it really helps. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. So with the idea of forgiving limbs, do you keep the musculature soft or you, or is it more intent on keeping the 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 softness in the joints or the, the you joints. know less pressure yeah right. i wanted to clarify that because i think um i i find that being more engaged muscularly but also softening a bit in the joints seems yeah, to be a nice joint. balance the other thing is that you know there are really a lot of people like i said they're usually women that don't need to do it they mm -hmm. you know the, the key is that you want to move your spine Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if you go down into a standing forward bend and you can't go any further, you know, you're blocked. If you soften your knees, you go. But there's there's a lot of women that are 60, 70 who don't need to do it. Yeah. But I would say that a lot of people do, and especially guys. Uh -huh. So because you've taught so many people at this point over the years, you've watched so many different bodies. And you're saying that generally this is just something you can say across the board pretty much you've observed. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I also thing, just to, to interject in there. Yeah. You know, when you look in the yoga classes, the group classes, mm -hmm. it's about 80% women. Oh, at least. At least. 90. Yeah, 90. Yeah, let's be And when I've been interviewed about that, I, I always had the same thing. There's something in the back of, of men that's competitive and they do not like to look bad in front of women. And okay. they don't have the flexibility. Uh -huh. so they, you know, they don't like to go in places where they're not doing good. You know, they're very, men are very competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, so I always have to remind them, you know, it's not competitive, you know. Um, and uh, I, I, get, uh, I, I get a reasonable number of guys in my courses. I was going to uh, say, I have seen that about you and your courses. Plus, yeah. Because I think it is teaching a really balanced uh, mindset around yoga too, you know. So it's 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 going to draw uh, people recognizing that oh maybe it can be for me, right? It's not going to just all be the acrobatic people being drawn yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also curious because you have seen such a, the growth and the evolution of yoga in the West. Um, and been a pivotal part of that. You've been a big part of that in, in the transition of that, um, also shaping more and more from India. Uh, my personal experience of working also in Chinese medicine, I found that so many of the teachers I wanted to learn from, the amazing master teachers, right, decided they wanted to be in the United States. And it was a joy for them to move there and be there. So I actually did my training in the United States because it actually made so much sense with a lot of the amazing people that were here. I also found that in yoga, 
right? That there were times where I thought of living somewhere else and yet, wait a minute, a lot of the amazing teachers are here. <laughs> They're collecting here. <laughs> so um, I just, I'm curious to what you've seen and observed about that, you know, um, because I know that the yoga also changes when it's brought to different places. It's people get inspired in different ways. Yes. Well, I've, uh, my courses of, uh, at the college at Loyola Marymount, and in fact, the one coming up, Yoga Therapy Rx, has always been yoga and integrative medicine, mm -hmm. where some people are yoga and Ayurveda, and I do. Ayurveda is important, and I have it in my course, but I'm more like integrative, and I always want to thank you because you introduced me to Dr. Chu yeah. and, uh, at a time when I really needed it. Um, he really helped me uh, with uh, acupuncture. And he's one of the, my, he's my favorite health professional. No, oh. <laughs> he's very genuine, really he's definitely from the heart. <laughs> very, very genuine. And, um, I, you know, um, California is like the Mecca for yoga. Yeah. Uh, other places that are closed, but California is the place. And what you see is that uh, the, the difference in how yoga is taught in India, like in India, you got the prime minister of India, Modi, leading the class with, you know, 100, 1,000 people all dressed the same, wearing the same. Uh, I remember when I was studying with Deskachar, you walk down the street at five o'clock, you can smell sambar everywhere in southern India, you know. A lot of people do the same stuff and they hang on to one teacher. In America, oh my God, we have Deskachar went with me to Gelson's uh, the, the store and he said, no wonder you have challenges. You have too many choices. You got seven kinds of apples to choose from. So in, in Santa Monica and Venice alone, before the pandemic, there are like uh, something like, uh, you know, 100 yoga studios. Yeah. <laughs> like unbelievable. I know. I know. And, uh, you know, and then somebody comes into town and you go to that workshop and we have people doing hot yoga and bikinis. We have yoga with goats, yoga with wine, and now yep. even yoga with pot, you know, yep. and that, you wouldn't see that in India. No, absolutely we, we not. Are, yeah, we are an interesting uh, breed here, how we you know, Americanize stuff. Um, but I was just really grateful that I got to study with the real deal. Uh, the family of Christian Macharya, um, and uh, you know, you know, really try to hang on to these uh, basic principles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm grateful too that yeah. you have carried it forward, and that again, that you've clarified some of the ways that he that he um, distinguishes uh, or, or clarifies what's useful. You know, most useful. Uh, there was something I remember learning from you, but I'd love to hear it from your words because I won't do it justice. So I'm asking here so that it'll be said correctly that Krishnamatari used to talk about um, the organs, right? And how, how when going upside down and why we'd want to go upside down mm -hmm. and some of the purposes of this. Well, uh, I, I didn't say too much with him about that. And um, also um, this man, um, who studied with him, the, his first Western student, uh, he was doing like headstands into his 80s and he had a stroke. So it's like, there are some limits, you know? Yeah. Uh, there are some limits. 
Um, but there are gentler inversions as well. I mean, even just oh, doing the bridge pose. Yeah. But I remember um, or some of the things we were talking about, about the organs being in the sacs. Yeah. And some of the things that he used to discuss around that topic, <clears throat> that we're moving the sacs around and not just the, maybe I'm putting on the spot and we can't remember right now. <laughs> it was honestly, it was not something that I, I spent a lot of time with him. Okay. Uh, but uh, hanging sacks in some, like for instance, well, here's what I have found. The safest inverted posture is the half shoulder stand, Viparita Karani. Mm -hmm. And when I went back and, and studied, uh, you know, uh, about these things, um, that was always one that was um, uh, like mentioned as having a lot of benefits without a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. In my new book, uh, The Yoga After 50, I suggest that people use a prop underneath their hips. It could be a block or it could be a bolster and then just get into that half shoulder stand. And there's so many benefits. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's a few problems. I mean, you have to know it. Not usually recommended when you're pregnant. Uh, if you have a hyenal hernia, if you have GERD, mm -hmm. if you have if you have unchecked high blood pressure, if you have what is called retinopathy, something in your eyes, usually people that have, uh, you know, stage one diabetes or something like that. But other than that, oh my God, the first thing that happens is that when your feet are upside down, uh, the the circulation uh, is going with gravity. When you're standing, the venous blood goes back to the heart against gravity. So now all of a sudden it's going with gravity. Mm -hmm. And it also, um, it's very calming for the parasympathetic nervous system. It's yeah. like sending a text to say chill, you know. <laughs> and then the, the circulation in your legs, which is important to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But so I, you know, there I know people who do headstand, handstand, and so forth in their 60s, 70s. But I think the safest one, the one I really emphasize all the way through my book, is a Viparita Karani or the half shoulder stand. And... Um, the part that I studied about the organs and so forth and so on uh, was the part that I explained how you improve the circulation in your legs, that you um, you you ease the the uh, the venous return blood going back with gravity, and that you send that text message to your parasympathetic to chill. It's it's good stuff. So uh, for someone who's starting out and they're it's, they're daunted by the big yoga classes. Um, and they, they can get your book, thank goodness. Um, but they, if they're starting out, you, what length of time do you recommend to start with when they're, you know, so it's, you're easing into a practice. What would you think? Well, when people see me privately <clears throat> and, uh, I am available on the, on the internet now, <laughs> S-A-M-A-T-A.com, Samata, uh, for private sessions, um, <clears throat> I work with them for about an hour, but the routine I give them is 10 minutes. Oh, it's 10 minutes these days. 10 minutes. Okay. And when people go to see Rick Morris as a chiropractor, he gives them one thing to do. Mm -hmm. one thing. Yeah. Less is more. And people yeah. are more likely to do it, right? That's it. That's the main yeah. thing. Because like yeah. you ask somebody to do something every day, like brushing their teeth, how yeah. much extra time do you have? And it's like, yeah. But in 10 minutes, you can do a lot. And yeah. you can get a lot of benefits from it. So that's what I recommend. They start off with a 10-minute routine, then they build it up. 
and my own personal routine is uh you know i do uh now i'm up to 18 minutes on my pranayama but i start off with 10 and uh then my own yoga practice is only 20 minutes and then i have about 10 minutes with meditation mm-hmm. beautiful um, combo too to do it like that that's not a lot long you know like when i was studying with iyengar and hanging out with his family for like three or four weeks he would do four and a half hours in the morning mm-hmm. And three and a half hours at night, mm-hmm. every day. I, I, I got maybe he took off on Sunday. I don't know, but I think it was every day. Every day I was there, um, and I remember that he invited me. He had a level one class, a level two class, and then a uh, yoga therapy class. And the level two class, they warmed up with standing drop over backbends. That's how they warmed up for the class. So I had to lay in the bathtub for half an hour every morning <laughs> to get, I was so sore from, you know, I was about, you know, 38 at the time, you know, and it was like, oh my God, you know, what he had, unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah, truly. And he glowed. He, I mean, I remember seeing him in person thinking this man actually glows. <laughs> yeah, there's also a guy, he and Descatar. They had clean loincloths, you know, they had no <laughs> stuff with women. And, you know, most of those gurus fell, you know, they somewhere along the line, they messed up. And you're still hearing about stuff coming back later and later and later and later. But they were both very true to their spouses. And um, um, BKS Iyengar married Krishnamacharya's sister. No, Krishnamacharya married Iyengar's sister. Oh, it, and, oh, it was like that, that direction. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and Iyengar's wife died very young. She had some problem, so he he dedicated, uh, I think, Ramani Iyengar's studio to her, and um, it's a very great example, great man. Mm-hmm. And so was Desikachar. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful to hear. I like to hear these stories. Anything else we want to cover today before we say goodbye here? <laughs> well. Uh, You've been so kind to me. I'd like to talk a little more about your courses. And uh, <laughs> no, really, uh, because, you know, you you and Eden both have taken the same format where you you take these great teachers. I just heard your interview with Robert Bernberg. It was excellent. Oh, thank you. My courses, too. Yeah. So you picked out all these great people mm-hmm. and you have them come into your course and they they make this weave of something special and because of who you are i don't think anybody says no to you <laughs> because well, they like to respect you <laughs> well i think uh i i do sometimes find it a miracle when they say yes wow they said yes <laughs> um but it's it's been a delight that it keeps happening yeah and I, I do I do believe that people sense um, your intentions and if you come if you really love what this is about, you know, yoga and the the philosophy, the teachings, uh, the path, because it's a path, uh, then I think uh, anyone else is really on that path can sense it, right? They can feel it. Uh, so. But you give such a great variety, even more than I do. Um, oh, thank you. I yeah. um I try to keep a lot of variety of people in terms of their backgrounds, their perspectives. And I've been told in the past too, that in the programs I've led that, that people um, they're surprised. I would sometimes bring people in that, that had um, perspective. I don't always agree with, 
right? Uh, and it's not that I was battling it out either. It's that I want people to know there are many different perspectives. I might not choose that path, but I want them to know about it because it might be just right for them. And as long as people are respecting each other, then we can do this, right? We can we can share these differences and we can highlight them uh, without concern that it's necessarily going to be um, about right or wrong, right? It's yeah. about it's about greater understanding. And I heard that this is your uh, last semester with your yeah. course. Yeah. And uh, this is the first time I mentioned it, but this will be my last semester oh teaching yoga course. Yeah. So I'll still teach in the course, but I just won't be the director. I've been doing it for 17 years. So uh, yeah. Time to step up, you know. I know. I'm. I'm so. I feel um, honored that I continue to be part of your courses too. And it's, I hope I continue to be beyond you being there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll use my best influence on that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, you know, I just hope that I think for anybody who's is interested and passionate about yoga, that they, that they just keep learning. Right. Because one thing I have learned from you too, is that to never stop, that there's so much to learn. You couldn't possibly learn in one lifetime. And, no. and even when I thought I understood something, part of why I kept leading the programs at Loyola Marymount uh, that I've done for tw 12 years now too. It was because every year I'd even hear some of the same presenters and some new ones, and I'm always learning fresh. I feel like, oh, wow, I've got that now in a new way. And um, it's just, it's such a beautiful um, tradition, you know, the philosophies, the, the styles, the people, there's so much beauty in it and so much to gain. So I wanna thank you for being part of my path in, in an enormous way, <laughs> Larry. And for paving well, the way. I have my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and Thank I have you. my favorites. You very much. You're, you're just a lovely hostess. And these we covered, I think, some good stuff. Yeah, agreed. So we'll leave it there today. And I want to just thank anyone who took the time to get all the way to the end and listen to all of this. <laughs> and we're going to post it. Um, forever <laughs> all right and send me a link i'll post it on my stuff too absolutely so you can stay with me and then we're going to end the broadcast for now um thank you larry love you, thank you. love you more <laughs> hey friend thank you for meeting with me and my guests go to tarawellness.com to join my newsletter and find out what else i'm offering please like and follow this podcast Check out the Terra Gold Wellness video version on YouTube and follow me at Terra Gold Wellness on Instagram and TikTok. Let's keep meeting at home. Home is where the heart.